0: Today, I'd like to talk about this topic of loneliness. Psalm 24, verses 14 to 22. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for He will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of uh, all his troubles. Amen. We all feel lonely at different times, and many of our sins are related or triggered by loneliness. Uh, I, I read, in fact, I recently I read several articles about loneliness and it's like almost epidemic in, the, you know, in this generation. Uh, some people say, I'm not sure about this, but some people say men are dangerous when they're alone. Women are dangerous when they're together. I don't say that, but some, some other people say that. You know, this, it's not me, but some people say that it's distinction male, female, we get, sometimes we get bored, right, and, uh, and, and then we seek for higher pleasure, so human beings, we are always seeking for highest pleasure at each moment, that's what Jonathan Edwards says, and, uh, you know, it, it talks about the desires of our hearts, desires, our hearts are alive, we call that our heart, our nature, Galatians 5 call it, and we have Nature is made up of desires, and, and, and we are constantly wanting something. What are we? What do we want? We are seeking for pleasure, highest pleasure at each moment. What gives us joy? What gives us pleasure, or what gives us, uh, you know, escape from our pain? Just highest pleasure at the time. For some people, it's joy. For some people, it's avoidance of pain. Uh, I remember uh, when I was counseling. Uh, teenager uh, in i don't know it was 30 40 years old or something like that retreat like this it was a uh you know small youth group and then uh there was a teenage girl we were sitting in front and she was uh asking for counseling and i i was looking at her arms and her arms were filled with scars i said where is that from what happened and she said basically, it, it was like in a New York, close to New York City, and she was saying basically, her parents abandoned her and her two younger siblings. She seemed like she was 13 or 14 or something like that. And, and she said at night, she gets so scared after her siblings go to sleep. She gets so scared, she cuts herself because when she gets so lonely and scared, pain would replace that. And pain there is better than. Her fear and our loneliness. Uh, the world says uh, loneliness is related to genetic factors, results of uh, you know biological something wrong with our with our bodies. Uh, Mary Roach says, "I don't fear death so much as I fear its prologues: loneliness, pain, depression. After a few years of those, I imagine death." presents like a holiday at the beach and she was talking about uh suicide epidemic for some of us much of our pain is related to with loneliness being alone is more painful than getting hurt somebody said some people s- think being with people does not guarantee that we won't be lonely so for example we're, we have over 100 probably over 100 people here but you still feel alone And lonely in the midst of crowd or in the midst of parties at times. One person said, I used to think the worst thing about life is end up being all alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is to end up with people that makes you feel all alone. You smile, but you want to cry. You talk, but you want to be quiet. You pretend like you're happy, but you aren't. So what is loneliness? How do we describe that? How How can we articulate that in a way that's understandable it's all applicable to us but how do we understand this i would say biblically speaking i would say this i will make this statement and constantly uh think through from this you know perspective or paradigm and i would say god's uh biblically speaking loneliness is god's invitation to intimacy i would say loneliness is god's invitation to intimacy so let's go to Look at the outline. If you three things that we'll talk about. First is lies about loneliness. We'll talk about five lies of Satan or five lies of the world. Lies about loneliness uh, through Psalm twenty-five. And then secondly, the n- nature of loneliness. What is what is loneliness? And I'm gonna dis- to use two words: loneliness and aloneness. I'll define those two words, biblically speaking, to to understand what loneliness is. Why do we get lonely? How do we Deal with this. And then thirdly, how to grow through loneliness. We're not going to just cope with loneliness, make sure we're not alone, we're not lonely, but we want to, in fact, utilize, just like we need to utilize suffering, hardships, difficulties, grow. We want to grow through loneliness, using loneliness, because it's God's invitation to intimacy with him. Uh, and then we'll look at uh, Romans 12, 9 through 13, to talk about five suggestions to living in uh, in relationship with God and in community, which you have in this wonderful church. So first of all, let's talk about lies of our loneliness. Psalm 25, verse 16 says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Psalm writers is blatantly, outright, saying, I'm lonely and I'm afflicted. And how he overcomes that, one of the verses in verse 21 is, May integrity and uprightness preserve me. I wait for you. Integrity, living in the eyes of God, living before God would, you know, solve his loneliness and affliction. Often our sins are involved with loneliness and we are susceptible susceptible to sin when we are lonely. So we need integrity before the Lord, living in the eyes of God. And it will guard us away from sins that we can be committing or the lies of Satan, especially lies of Satan about this topic so that Uh, And and it will, will, uh, you know, trigger us to sin. So we need to guard the lies uh, of this world in relation to loneliness. So five lies that we want to guard ourselves from. First is, there must be something wrong with me because I get lonely. Sometimes we think like this. There must be something wrong with me because I get lonely. I would say answer to that, I would say is yes, both yes and no. Yeah, there's, yes, there is something wrong with you when you get lonely because as I'm going to talk about a little bit later, it's related to our sin and we are all sinners. So we are. So there is something wrong with us even without loneliness. There is something wrong with us because we are all sinners. We still have sinful desires, sinful nature remaining in us. But no, because we are not abnormally no, or sinful because we get lonely. And as a result of one of the results of sin is that we get lonely. We'll talk about it. So you're not abnormally wrong; you're just normally wrong. There's something wrong with it, but you're not abnormally wrong because you get lonely. Because we're thinking, sometimes we could be thinking, "I'm not normal because I get lonely so often." But human beings again have nature. Our heart, nature. Our heart is made of. of Nature, two natures, if you're a Christian, sin nature that remains in you, and spiritual nature is born again in you by the Holy Spirit. So you have your uh, another nature, two natures, sinful nature, spiritual nature. And nature is made up of desires. Galatians 5 talks about that. And desire means you want something, constantly wanting something, maximum pleasure or minimum pain. Oh, constantly wanting something, so you get lonely because you can't get what you want on your own, so you need help. So you get lonely. That's the first lie. Second lie is that I must be bad Christian because I get lonely. Because uh, sometimes we can think, I'm Christian, and I'm not supposed to feel like this because God is with me. Why do I feel lonely? But I would say loneliness is is a natural warning sign from God because God made us as relational beings. So loneliness shows that there's something wrong. Loneliness is like a pain to our physical body. Well, loneliness to us is like a pain. What pain is to our physical body? When, When there's pain in our physical body, it's saying something wrong, take care of your body. I used to be, I, used, I still play basketball, and there was no pain in the, in the past. Even if I played every day for a whole week, there was no pain. They, these days, even if I don't play, I have, I have pain. <laughs> Something wrong, it, and it moves around. Something's always wrong without reason. And what he's saying is, there's a lot of things wrong in your body. Take care of it. Pain in in our physical body means something wrong with your body. Take care of it. Otherwise, it's going to break down. That's what he's saying. When there's pain in your ankle, something wrong, dangerous, don't be careful with it. Otherwise, something's going to break down. So loneliness is like a pain. Loneliness to our heart is what pain is to our body. Loneliness means take care of your heart. Something wrong with your heart. Take care of it. You need to develop intimacy. That's what God is saying. When you get lonely, you need to develop correct, healthy, right kind of intimacy. So it's not about not being lonely, not getting lonely, but it's about what you do when you get lonely. I didn't say what you do if you get lonely. I said what you do when you get lonely because all of us will get lonely. It's about what you do when that happens. And God is inviting you to himself. Third lie. Is that if I change my external surroundings, I will not get lonely. Third lie. If I change my external surroundings, I get lonely. Uh, we're thinking changing my external circumstances will fix my loneliness. Uh, of course, the answer is no. Why? Because loneliness is not an external issue. It's a heart issue. It's related to your heart, deepest part of your heart. So, if you change your external surrounding, you're saying, if I have a boyfriend, if I only had a boyfriend, maybe all of your life, that's what you're seeking, seeking for. If I had a boyfriend, if I had a girlfriend, if I had somebody. No. You have to understand, he or she will never be your savior. Whoever you're looking for, will, your child, they will never be your savior. If you don't, I would say those people who want to get married, If you do not know how to redeem your loneliness to some degree, it cannot be complete, but some degree I say, you may not be ready to get married. Because you will not you because you're seeking for your to meet your longing. So you know your desires, I want that person to meet my need. That's your propensity when you're like that, then you, you will use your spouse. You will use your spouse rather than serve your spouse. You use your spouse to meet your longing rather than loving your spouse to picture the giving love of Jesus Christ. To picture the gospel. So I would, I would always say, do not marry for love, but marry to love. The best way to prepare yourself for marriage is... To You got to learn to serve. You don't know how to do that? You're not going to have a good marriage. Is there a married couple here? That would would always say, you know, I officiate so many weddings. I would say, before you get married, I always say, before you get married, you got to have funeral. You got to die to yourself. Then you're ready to get married, huh? Invite me to your wedding. (laughs) We need to die. Oh boy. I'll talk about that tomorrow night. (laughs) Maybe maybe I shouldn't have said that you're not going to come tomorrow. Maybe you will. But learning to die. Secret to Christian life. To love. Hmm? Anyway, uh, you know, that's what loneliness means. Take care of your the external surrounding will not change. You've got to change your heart. Fourth lie is that I can overcome my loneliness by satisfying my physical desires. Because young children are present, I had to change the physical desires. Euphemism, you know, for some activity you do after you get married. Right. Basically, you're saying satisfying my physical desire will fix my loneliness. But you have to understand that's a symptom, not a cause of your problem of loneliness. It's a heart problem. Being physically active, all right, before marriage you will not get rid of. In fact, often enhance your loneliness. Because, you know, premarital engagement like this will bring guilt. Guilt means there's distance between you and God. And guilt with another person means there's distance, more distance with another person. So temporary satisfaction is there, but you still feel more lonely then you get addicted to constant fulfilling of your temporary desires. To avoid that loneliness, but that doesn't solve your problem. Samaritan woman was like that in John chapter 4. She had five husbands, but she was still thirsty until she met Jesus. Jesus says, I am he. Jesus is saying, will you marry me? Finally, she found the love she was looking for. She found the living water in Jesus Christ. Uh, Number five, line number five is that if I can deal with my lonely feelings, then I'm okay. So, okay, I got to deal with loneliness, then you cope with it. This is a different generation, isn't it? Because when I was younger, right? I don't know, a couple years ago. We had no internet. <laughs> when I was a teenager. I was so bored. You have to understand those days. There's nothing in the room. Telephone, landline telephone, no cell phone, no smartphone. Just why am I hitting this thing? I don't know. <laughs> it's like there was nothing in the room, just telephone, landline telephone, just TV. And Saturday after you watch six hours of TV, you got nothing to do. You're you're so you're sick and tired of watching TV. So you got nothing else, so you went out and played sports. I remember walking 30 minutes in in snow to my friend's house in this polar vortex weather because I'd rather die than be bored in a room. You know what I'm talking about? These days, you can't be bored. You can do so many things by yourself. It's hard to be bored. Sometimes you need to be bored to see what you're made of, what your heart is made of. Sometimes you should have no option except to read the Bible and pray. You'll see what I mean. There are so many things to cope with loneliness. So many things to do that will deviate you while God is inviting you. Something else is inviting you. You can replace uh, your intimate moment with God and people by just being preoccupied in your mind and your heart to have satisfaction in your desire, temporary, that is totally useless at times. Uh, So, you know, just because you get rid of feelings by doing something temporary doesn't mean your heart is cured. Uh, Sometimes, somebody says, sometimes uh, life is too hard to be alone and sometimes life is too good to be alone. God had had made you to be with him and with other people. Yet we're replacing those times with, Useless things, even though they have small parts, they can have small parts in our lives, our hobbies and things we can do, have small parts in our lives. But, you know, make sure it's not replacing your time with God and people. So do not merely deal with loneliness. My suggestion is do not we merely deal with loneliness. I dare to say that we should use loneliness to grow. So let's secondly, let's go to the second point, which is the nature of loneliness. I'm going to use two words, loneliness and aloneness. I'm going to distinguish the two. they are two opposite uh, things. Just first of all, you know, as we think about this, like, uh, God has never been alone. Think about that. I thought about that. I just couldn't comprehend. God has never been alone. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, ever since, there was no beginning that we call at this point of time, but in the beginning, ever since the eternity began, in the beginning was a word, and word was with God. God was with the Son. Son was with God. God was with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was with was with the Son, and they used to have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with three persons, one God, and their relationship is amazing. I would say, you know, they, you know, like like, hello, how are you? You know, we have that kind of relationship. But Father, Son, Holy. Spirit, I don't know, I. English is not my first language, so I have to use sound. Not enough adjective in my vocabulary bank, right? It's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, just loving each other, giving to one another. That kind of amazing relationship which, you know, a married couple is supposed to reflect and show. But they're loving each other, serving each other. I love you. I love you. God has never been alone. Christian God is uniquely relational. So as, as the image bearers of God, loneliness is a result of sin. It shows some kind of separation that took place. Division and separation. So I'm going to talk about these two words, loneliness and uh, aloneness. First of all, loneliness of the sin nature loneliness is a result of sin so there's loneliness associated with sin our sin nature our sinful desires mine and others look at this Psalm 25 or 16 turn to me and be gracious to me I am lonely and as he says I am lonely and afflicted it's it's afflicted means some someone else is intentionally hurting you sin is related to your loneliness this, this contributing to this person's loneliness, but not only the, the other people's sins, but his, his own sin. Verse 18, he says, Consider my affliction and my trouble. Forgive, my, uh, forgive all my sins. His, sin, his own sin is involved. Verse 7, any older people here? Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgression in context. According to your steadfast love. <laughs> said love, right? Remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Loneliness is so associated with sin. We can see the origin of this. We know this passage in Genesis chapter 2. We became lonely in need of others selfishly when sin entered into us. Adam and Eve, as soon as they sin, they they are separated. Look at this Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. She took some fruit and ate and she gave it. Uh, gave some to her husband, and who ate with her, and he ate. So they are now both sinners. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened. They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin So before there was nakedness, and they were fine, but now they have to cover themselves. So some kind of disassociation and separation took place even physically, and this is proven when you look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. Look at this. When God approaches the man and confronts him, he says, the woman you gave me, and confronts him, why did you sin? Why did you do this? And this is man's answer to God. Giving excuse. The woman you gave me, you can see there is distance, there's separation. The woman but on then, and, and then in that phrase, the man, woman you gave me, there's separation between him and God. Blaming God, blaming woman. There's separation already with the woman as well as God. Vertical, horizontal separation. Intimacy divided, re- uh, connection cut off. As a result, loneliness. Isolation from God and others. And this phrase is Very helpful. Uh, Psalm 25 verse 16 says, Turn to me and be gracious to me. I am lonely and afflicted. Humanity is like that. I am lonely and blank. We always seek for something. I am lonely and blank. I am lonely and afflicted. So please, I am lonely and I shouldn't be afflicted. That's what he's saying. That's what I need. I am lonely and bored. I am only lonely and need a girlfriend. I am lonely and I need someone to talk to. I am lonely and I need someone to help me to get what I want. This leads us to, when we are lonely, this leads us to sins, either sins that gives us higher pleasure or even okay things, neutral things, okay things that will help us to alleviate pain, escape from pain, even neutral things that become replacement of great things, replacement of things that we need. So just because we're not sinning doesn't mean we're okay because when we do neutral things, that's still replacing what we ought to do, how we ought to live in our lives. This is a related verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse, 11, verse 1, that says our life is a race right? running for God. And verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses in heaven, let us lay aside every weight. And sin that clings so closely. To run, we need to get rid of two, two kinds of things here. One is sin that so clings cling so closely, of course. But then there's something else that you need to avoid that is different than sins. We know we know this. Sin that sins, clings closely, that's like hindering us from running. But it also says, let us lay aside every weight. There's something else that's not always sin, sinful, yet that hinders. It's talking about some of the Neutral things, okay things that still hinders Christian life. So a lot of times we ask this this kind of question when we, in our Christian life. We ask, is it okay to do this? That's a wrong question because when we say, is it okay to do this? You know, Is it not sin? How can I avoid sin? That's the question we're asking. But goal in life is not to avoid sin. Goal, is, goal in life is to glorify God. Goal in life is not only not be negative but be positive. Goal in life is not to... Uh, you know, look bad to the world. Goal in life is to conquer the world with with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So is it okay is a wrong question. That's better than, you know, of course, sinning. The question we should be asking is, how can we love God more? How can we glorify Him? How can we change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Therefore, I always say, in, in place of loneliness, when you're lonely, you need some hobbies and things you do will be helpful because we need that. But don't just choose neutral things that replaces sin. That's still better than sinning, but sometimes choose things uh, that you enjoy, that you love, but that can also be helpful to either your spiritual life or ministry. So evaluate. Two things I might be doing in my hobbies when I have time is playing basketball and watching movies, why, why, why is playing basketball good? It's healthy, though there's pain. It's, I'm, I become healthy, physical exercise. And I play with church people, ministry to them, except the times when I throw the ball at someone else or something like that, getting angry or something like that. Or non-Christians, building relationship with non-Christians, right? ministry setting. So it's wonderful. I like to watch movies. How can we redeem that? I have to think hard, hard about that. Use illustrations in sermons. <laughs> I mean, I don't watch movies that much except in the airplane because I travel so much during the, in the airplane. I watch some movies and you always use it for illustration. Oh, good. Redeemable. I don't know how you can redeem 10 hours of playing video games. Fellowship. <laughs> you, you pray. You decide before the Lord. But you see what I mean. You see the point. We need to evaluate and we can choose some neutral things that might actually be helpful to your spiritual life, health and ministry, building relationships with people. You know That might be helpful. So what does it mean to be a Christian in one sense? What does it mean to be a Christian? Look at this. Uh, yeah, look at this picture. So when... When we talk about sin, we just talked about the sin divides. Somehow sin means there's disconnection, there's division. We're not together, we're not one. But when you become Christian, spirit surrounds, The connect, spirit connects us. We become one. That's kind of, that kind of illustrates what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a non-unbeliever. Being unbelievable means, in some sense, from this perspective of connection, you are never connected. In some sense, being unbelievable means there's always division. You're never connected. You are seeking for yourself, so when the person does not give you the group that you're associated with, do not give you what you want, you'll be separated. You don't want to be with them. Christian connection should be different. Being Christian means you are never alone. We are in Jesus Christ. We are in union with Jesus Christ and we are never separated from Jesus Christ. That means we are always connected to God. God is always after us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And in Jesus Christ, because we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we are always connected. Being Christian means you were in your me me kingdom before you became Christian. Never connected to anything me kingdom but now you have moved to we kingdom being christian means us we kingdom in jesus say to somebody you're my brother you're my sister i'm glad you're here i'm thankful for you because of their presence you're being more blessed because of their present god's presence in there say you know say to somebody you're my brother don't say to a sister you're my brother but you know. That's enough. That's enough. You guys are too good at this. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) You guys are too good. All right. We talked about loneliness. Let's talk about now a different word, second part of this point, which is aloneness. Aloneness is different, opposite of that. I'm going to use, I'm intentionally using, using that word Aloneness. Uh, aloneness of the spiritual nature. Loneliness is of the sinful nature. Aloneness is of the spirit's nature. Look at this verse 21. It says, Integrity and uprightness preserve me. I wait for you. How we need to overcome our loneliness. Integrity and uprightness. I wait for you, which we'll talk about it a little bit later. Aloneness is, uh, you know, we are, we are, means we are alone, but we are in need. We have desires that set, not satisfied because we want to image God and glorify God, aloneness. Look at this. This is one probably one of the most misunderstood verse that I've been reading, I don't know, 30-some 30, 30 years of marriage books, right? And almost all the books that I've read interpreted this verse. And you might have read it in, your, in the books that you read. And they interpreted this verse like this. The Lord God said, it is not good. So, all the time up to now in Genesis, as God created the the world, He says, good, good, good. Bene diction, bene, good diction. Good words. Good, 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 good. First, malediction. First, something is not good. First, malediction in the Bible, it is not good. Ain't good. The man said that man should be alone. Right? Something is not good that he's alone. And some people use this. See, Pastor Me, I gotta get married. Right? It ain't good to be alone. Something like that. But then, then they interpret this verse. It is not good that man should be alone, that I will make him suitable, help, helper for him. So God is looking at Adam. And this is what I thought, reading those marriages. Adam is lying down on the, on the grass, being by himself, alone, you know. And they go, oh, I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. So lonely I could die. Or something like that. And just going around and. And God said, Oh, it's not good <laughs> that he's alone. Notice it doesn't say, it doesn't say it is not good that that man should be lonely. It doesn't say that, right? It just says he's alone. It doesn't say he's lonely. But then we psychologize this verses like that and say, Well, we assume that just like we would have been, he's so lonely. So loneliness means I gotta get married. Of course, it could, it could help. But that's not what this verse is saying. I do believe when he says the man should be alone, that man should not be alone. When he says alone, this is not talking about subjective loneliness. Oh, I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. But I believe it's talking about objective deficiency. Meaning, he's alone. He doesn't feel lonely. It's no sin yet. This is Genesis 2, not Genesis chapter 3. He feels alone. He, he doesn't feel lonely, but he's alone because God made him to be like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's supposed to give to somebody to image what God is like. So he's there, and he needs somebody to love, right, so that they can image God. They can glorify God. They can picture him. It doesn't say that he was lonely, feeling I need somebody, but he's saying I need somebody to glorify God. That's the difference, isn't it? Difference between sinful loneliness and uh, spiritual aloneness is this. Loneliness, Adam is going, me, 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 me. This is cause of all the marital problems. This is cause of all the problems. Genesis, uh, the, uh, James chapter 4, one, 1 and 2 says, reason why there's quarrels and fights in this world, because you want something, me. And you're not getting what you want. This is problem of all the married, marital counseling. Adam, loneliness. But people interpret it with this. But what the Bible says, he was alone. He didn't feel lonely, but he wanted somebody to love, give love to, sacrifice to, die for. Aloneness. World of difference between the two words. This is proven when you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. Before sin, the man... Uh, they were both naked and were not ashamed because their propensity in their hearts was towards outside they didn't even they weren't even concerned about covering themselves so god's way of dealing with loneliness is going back to Psalm 25 verse 21 two things there right integrity and uprightness preserve me meaning with as you live in the presence of God, you need to say no to sin. There's no part. And then second part, it says, i wait for you. You need to say in place of no, you would say, yes, I will wait for you. No to sin and neutral things. And yes to what uh, your intimacy and relationship with God. Because when you get lonely, uh, loneliness means sinfulness. Loneliness, I want something. You need to overcome that with integrity of, before God to get rid of sin and aloneness. But in your aloneness, you need to have intimacy with God as we say, I will wait for you. So just a couple practical suggestions, two things, right? First is get to a place where it will be hard to sin. Get rid of change. It might be changing of circumstances, accountability with people. Uh, you know, getting rid of some things and pre- being preoccupied. Don't because if you if you have too much time, you'll be doing you'll, you'll be seeking for pleasure. And easiest pleasure is probably your sinful pleasure. It's so easy to get that. Right? We are always seeking for high pleasure. That, that's why like even after a revival meeting or retreats, you had wonderful time, high intensive emotion time. And then when you go home, you might sin because heart is always seeking for higher pleasure than that. And sometimes you're seeking for things in sinful pleasure or spiritual pleasure. You're still looking, seeking for highest intensive emotion, whether it's sinful or spiritual. So we always have to be careful. But then plan and strategize, be preoccupied. Sometimes it's good to be too busy to sin. If you're going to constantly sin, uh, you know, being by yourself, sometimes schedule things. Break times you sin because you don't schedule things. I'll, we always suggest in our church, you need to schedule even more meticulously in the break time so that you can, I don't know, read and things, go out and do things so that you will not sin. So get, rid, get to a place it is, hard, it is hard to sin, but also learn to see what you can do to get closer to God. You got to develop that. You got to learn how to do that. And my question to you is, can you be alone with God? This generation, I'll be same if I were like you. If I if I'm a tech generation, it is rarely that nothing is on. These days I'm like that too, like I'm sleeping, and then there's always phone, right? Doing something with phone until you it drops on your face and sleep. So if I am a tech generation like you, I mean I'd probably be like that too. But when there's nothing on, can you be alone with God? What do you think about? You can see what you feel. You can see what you're made of when everything's off. Can you be alone with God? How long can you be with, alone with God? How satisfyingly when you're alone with God. How satisfied are you? James chapter 4 verse 8, here's a promise that will help us. It says, draw near to God. You try. It might take some time. It might take some practice. But draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And pleasure that he gives is greater. Pleasure that he can, When you taste that, you become addicted to the pleasure that he gives. And that comes from cleansing your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I think, you know, it's just metaphorically, cell phone. What cell phone does is it make, always makes us look down. But Psalm 121 says, I lift, up, I lift up my eyes to the hill. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Don't just look down. We've got to learn to look up. Amen? God is, God is above the universe. Just like we saying, God is sovereign. We can use our phone but not worship the phone. Put the phone down. Look up. Look around. Look at people. Learn to pray for them. Learn to love them. So loneliness will lead us to two different sets, different kinds of pleasure, sinful pleasure and spiritual pleasure. Loneliness is inviting you to higher pleasure. Loneliness can either lead you to sin or lead you to get closer to God. Loneliness can be a great opportunity to experience greater pleasure by building your intimacy with God. Loneliness is an invitation from God. To seek him. So be yes. So say yes. And use your loneliness to get closer to him and closer to one another. Which will go to the third point, which is how can we grow through loneliness? Well, a wonderful verses. Psalm 24 verse 14 says, Friendship with the Lord is for those who fear him. We need to learn to develop friendship with the Lord. Learn to fear him. And he makes known to them a covenant. John 15, 15, Jesus Christ to his disciples, right, says, yeah, right there. No longer I call you servants, for servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. He's talking to the disciples. He's leaving this incredible mission of the world to the disciples as he's going to die and Resurrect and ascend and go to heaven. He's leaving this incredible mission to a bunch of friends. I called you friends. Plural. Oh, that I have heard you from you, my father. I have made you known to you. English is hard to tell, but the word you is not singular. We always take it in American culture, American Christianity, we always take everything singular, but almost, almost always you is plural in the Bible. Meaning, it's to us. It assumes that as God is giving us his relationship to us, it assumes that we are together. We are doing this together. Y'all, yeah, that's what it is. Some, some, somebody wrote an article that said, The Bible is clear in Texas. <laughs> huh? Huh? That's a pretty good title. Talking about how these things are plural, it's talking about the church of Jesus Christ. We do this together. And you belong together. You, you're supposed to be together. You're supposed to be there, be there for one another. F- uh, five suggestions from Romans 12 verses 9 through 13. Five verses with so much power to combat loneliness. Five suggestions. Number one, first of all, remedy to loneliness is love, giving love. I'm going to talk extensively about this tomorrow night. It says, love, let love be genuine. So it's, what it's talking about is, we, have, we were born with sin nature, but we're born again with spiritual nature while sinful nature exists. That means we have capacity and capability to uh, have this relationship with God and with one another. We have capacity capability. Let love be genuine. That means we have capacity to have supernatural love. This love, That only we can have by the Holy Spirit in our hearts is alien love. This world does not know, cannot experience this. It's different. This is supernatural, foreign love, alien love of God. That we have capacity for that through our intimacy and relationship with him. I remember someone saying, sometimes I just want to disappear and see if anyone would miss me. Someone besides you might be thinking that. And you have capability and capacity just by saying hello can give that, transfer that love, deliver that love to others, reach out. Second suggestion, loving others. Of course, in context of small group, you know, context of family, love one another and with brotherly affection. Now, with that capacity that you have, you got to love. It says, I'll do it. If there's a competition in the church, i one another in showing honor. I pray that there is that kind of holy competition in this church. I'm going to love them more. I'm not talking about like, you know, that kind of love, but love of Jesus Christ. This is incredible. Horatia Jones. This person said something and that's so insightful. This is, this is what I said. I like being alone, he says. I have control over my life. Therefore, in order for you to, in order, therefore, in order to win me over to you, your presence has to feel better than my solitude. You are not competing with another person. You're competing with my comfort zone. I always saw it like this. When someone approaches me, we're, Constantly calculating: Is it better for me to be alone? Is it better for me to talk to this person? Like if you go to a new setting, you don't mind a nerdy guy comes you comes to you, and you don't mind somebody who you would normally associate with comes to you and talk because there's nothing else. But after you get or so you're acquainted and associate with other people, you mind that person coming. You're always competing, seeking for higher pleasure, seeking for what is best for us. Sometimes when Somebody want to approach you. Is it better for me to be alone or is it better for me? We are always seeking for higher pleasure. So selfish. He says, your presence has to feel better than my solitude. We are always like this. My goodness. Proverbs 18 verse 20 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. So we need that balance of isolation and association. Christian life. We need isolation in our relationship with God, but association with other people. Delivering his love to others, but also we get through our association his love. That person is delivering to us. So in the church of Jesus Christ, we need one another. Absolutely need one another. Some people say, why can't I be alone in worshiping God? Because you get hundred times more blessing by being together. Because there are 100 people here giving what they got from the Lord to us by simply being present in this room. I'm thankful that you guys are here because I'm getting blessed more because of your presence. I'm always thankful for another believer. Even the worst ones, if they're Christian, they're delivering his love to us. Even the smallest child is useful in the kingdom of God. So we need a balance of isolation and association. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, book called Life Together. German theologian. He's a German theologian. In his classic exploration of faith and community, this is an incredible quote that says, Let him who cannot be alone beware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Some of us like to be alone too much. You need to be with other people. Some of us like to be together too much. Don't know how to be alone in our relationship. We, we need a balance of isolation and intimacy. Oh, uh, 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 isolation or association. We need to have integrity in our relationship. Also intimacy with others. Somebody says some steps need to be taken alone. Is the only way to really figure out where you need to go and where you need to be. But I would also say sometimes you need to be with others. To really figure out where you need to go and where you you really need to be. We need both. Third suggestion. Diligently serve. Talk about ministrial setting. Verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve. The Lord, of course, in context, serve other people. Serving the Lord by serving other people. We need to serve other people. We need humility, always considering others better than ourselves. Having the attitude of servant. Always serving others. Someone in front of you may be saying, I'm falling apart right, now, right in front of your eyes, but you don't even see me. Someone says, loneliness is not being alone, but feeling that no one cares. Somebody might be saying, I want someone to be afraid of losing me. Can you be that person? We need to, when Jesus Christ comes to us by his spirit and he's using us and loving us, he uses us as his feet, his hands, his eyes. When we cry for other people, out of love for them. His tears are shown through us. When you speak to them in love, He's speaking to them through us. Fourth, here's the key. Persevere in your relationship with the Lord. You need to have relationship with the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Where does a boy become a man and girl becomes a woman? I used to say college, but then I realized after they graduate, they're still boys and girls. So I said, when does a boy become a man and a girl becomes a woman? I would say often in the arena of trials and tribulations. Because they develop the friendship with the Lord. I said, you need to be a friend of God not friend of a friend of God you know what happens you know you're here's a here's somebody and you have you you go to a friend and you're uh, speaking to the person and while you're having relationship with your friend another friend of your friend comes so you're speaking to the person and here's a friend and you're introduced and you're they have relationship but what happens is when that friend leaves what happens you're with a friend of a friend and how do you feel Awkward. And sometimes you are like that with God. Right? Someone helps you to have relationship with God, but when that person is not there, you feel awkward with God because God is not your friend, but God is a friend of a friend. You need to develop your friendship with God. It's the foundation of everything. Only the ones who have friendship with God can contribute in a community. Learn to be alone with God to receive and learn to be together with people to contribute, to deliver. Got to learn how to read God's word and pray. And you can do a variety of things. There's not only one way. Some people like to pray when they write, when they talk, with music. Different things. Some people like to sing, praise, walk. Find different ways. Be creative. Have different ways to learn to have relationship with God. But always involving word and prayer. Breathe in God's word. And breathe out prayer. Your relationship. A breath of life. Only those who can walk in the light. When they're alone can walk with others in the dark. Fifth suggestion is give to the needs of others, practically giving to other people. It seems like the Bible says it helps contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show. Most of you are poor now, that is so sad. Poor students. But I'm almost sure this is a good school, so you go, you, some of you are smart. Don't look smart, but you might be smart. And you're going to have, pretty soon you're going to get a lot of money, six-digit figures. Don't forget Pastor Jung and his family. <laughs> <laughs> get my phone number, too. <laughs> Learn to give. I believe I, this is my financial philosophy that we teach at CFC. Get as much as possible. Nothing wrong with that. And then live with necessities. Whatever necessities. And pray through with your, you and your spouse what necessity is, what kind of house, what kind of car. That's up to you. You have freedom about that. right? But then either give away or be ready to give away. Have, have mindset of just seeing the needs of other people. Often I find that people who are more generous are not necessarily the rich people. But they might be poor, or poor people, a lot of times poor people, or even medium people. But generous people are not rich people. Generous people are content people. They're satisfied with what they have. And when, when you do that, when you have exercise of giving to others, it really helps you. So even now, as you're poor, learn to give. Even in a small way, learn to live with necessities. Be generous. There's incredible joy in giving. Think about this. Adam, right? Adam, this is our nature. Adam's nature. Fruit, right? Fruit of good and evil. Me. That's the propensity of our hearts. But think about Jesus. You. You you got to learn to give. Learn to be like Jesus. Uh, to conclude, some of us are, oh, Pastor man, I've been so away. How can I do this? How can I develop my friendship with the Lord? Is it possible? I know some of you may in a way. Okay? You might be seeking and I would say this. Psalm 25 verse 14, friendship with the Lord. Or for those who fear and make He makes known to them his covenant. God is committed to us when we can. So he reconnects us. He's the one who comes after us. Genesis 3, 9 says, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? When Adam and Eve sinned, uh, you know, he's going, Where are you? He's not like Adam, Adam. He couldn't find Adam. Okay, Garden of Eden, too big. I should have made it small. Where are you? I'm lost. You win. Hide and seek with God. There's this God who's omnipresent, omniscient, and he comes to that tree that they were hiding behind. You who? <laughs> Where are you? What he's saying is, Where are you away from me? What are you doing? He seeks after, him. he comes after him. And then what happens? Verse 21, 321 Lord God made for Adam. And for his wife, garments of skins and clothes. And first time he killed somebody. Sometimes he created everything. The first time he slashed blood, killed somebody, sacrificed some, something for them to cover. Of course, symbolic of God covering the sins of Adam with his blood, his son's blood. His picture is But not only does he cover our sins with his son's blood, but he covers us with his likeness. His killing of his son is not just cleansing our, our sins, covering our blood, but covering with his likeness. We become like Jesus Christ. His DNA, his spiritual nature inside of us. We're going to become like Jesus. He chases after us to forgive us. And then he's, gonna, he's not going to stop until likeness of Jesus is produced in us. Romans chapter 8. Why and how does he do that? Jesus Christ was some degree, some way, separated from God on the cross so that we can be together with God rest of eternity. cross was the loneliest place in human history, not because people left him. You know, Trinity was never lonely. The Bible does not record that Jesus crying out because he was physically whipped. But when he was separated from God, only then he cries out. El hi, el lama samaktani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some degree, some way, in a way that we cannot understand. In his divinity and humanity, he was separated from God in some degree. Separation of the Father and the Son. It did not break his heart to save us. It broke who he is in some degree to save us. Why? So that we would never be alone. We will never be alone. God sent Jesus so you don't have to be alone. That's why his name is Emmanuel. God with us now and forevermore, which is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Keep yourself, life free from love of money, meaning don't separate yourself, though you cannot. You're chasing after money away from Jesus Christ. Your idolatry, your heart is away. You're hiding behind money, hiding behind the trees. Be content with what you have. for He said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's chasing after us. That's why every service as you're separating, this is the eternal blessing that God has given to the priests in the Old Testament that He now, we now declare in the New Testament. This is a blessing that we declare as you leave the sanctuary. Second Corinthians 13:14, our benediction, good words comes from this verse. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, Trinitarian benediction, grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship, koinonia, of the Holy Spirit. That fellowship, koinonia means, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That blessing. And we're just putting our head in there. As they are loving one another, we are receiving that. Because we are in And Christos, Ace Christos, in Jesus Christ. And we receive their love for one another, their blessings. We're part of that. Therefore, we are never alone.